We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek Apollo with Josh Kolak here today. We've got a great show planned for you. But before we get into it, I just want to check in with, with Josh. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. How about yourself? It's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer. Birds are chirping. It's almost spring. Well, it is spring. But in Ohio, you never really know when it's spring. So let's <laughs> just be honest about that. You have a blizzard tomorrow. So true, you know, true. For now, we have birds chirping. We had some sunshine today, and we had no snow. So that's a good sign. You guys, re- you ready for today? You ready? Yeah, I'm really ready. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to get you on the pod. You know, when, when uh, we we start getting new people coming in, we always have the dreaded microphone issue. Josh fell victim to it. He's back with a vengeance. We got some dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah, no kidding, right? And we got some good interviews coming as well. And uh, one of them today we have has been one that we've been looking forward to for a while now. You went and got this young man. You want to introduce him? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we got Malik Reed here, edge rusher from University of Nevada. Go Wolfpack. Is it the first time you ever said that? Yeah, that's the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> yeah, back. Be a little more motivated. 
Go Wolfpack. <laughs> See, I'm I'm a Notre Dame fan, so it's not that I don't I dislike Nevada oh, or anything. God. I just I'm a Notre Dame fan. I can't have you on this podcast anymore, man. Who do you root for? I'm I'm Scarlet and Gray all the way. I'm the Ohio State. State at the Ohio State University, born and See, bred, I, graduated from there. All that. If I if I have to pick a Big Ten school, it's U of I. Not that they're any good, but well. They should be for you know, the enrollment they have there. Okay, but this is not a U of I podcast. This is not a Notre Dame podcast. This is not a Ohio State podcast. This is a Los Angeles Rams podcast. So let's go ahead and bring in. You know, we'll do all of our our other stuff. Normally, we do it now. We'll do it all later on. We'll go ahead and get this interview out there for you. Here it is: our interview with Malik Reed. Good stuff. <laughs> all right, folks. I'm here with Malik Reed, Nevada, Nevada rusher. Here, man. Malik, thanks so much for coming to the show. How are you? How are you feeling? Getting closer to draft day. Uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm excited. You know, for the process, it's been great from all the way to the end of the season, from training, pro day up until now. I've been enjoying, you know, every step of the process, and I'm excited to see what happens going forward. And you know, the process begins, you know, pretty much. Well, let's be honest. It, be- it begins your last year in college, right? You know, and you start looking forward yeah. to what the next step is. And did your mindset change at all in your in your final year at Nevada, going all the way through to now, almost you know, almost the draft? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty much like a focused guy, like throughout my career, especially like towards the end. But uh, I would say my last year was just like, I focused more like on making sure my body was. Uh, was right and uh, making sure I took care of it, you know, after every practice, after every game, and making sure I was able to, you know, go into each game uh, at my best. So just making sure that uh, I was at my peak every time I stepped on the field. And, you know, of course, well, I mean, let's be honest, Nevada is, is, you know, it's not SEC football, but it's a high-quality school. Oh, yeah, and how did playing at Nevada – best prepare you for the NFL? I feel like playing in Nevada is, is definitely you develop a workman's mentality. It's a blue chill program where you can come and, you know, grind it out each and every day to continue to make yourself a better player, better person, better a better man. And I'm definitely glad that I've had an opportunity to play here. It was definitely an opportunity I, I never regret. Now, was there ever any concern because it's you know a smaller program as compared to Ohio State or Alabama that you wouldn't face the top competition out there? I feel like in every conference that you mm-hmm. that you go to, no matter how big or how small, people may make it out the scene. Uh, players can play, and that's that's what all that matters to me. I definitely know that I went up against some guys that could be playing in the SEC or could be playing in ACC, like any any conference, but uh, they just didn't get that opportunity. But there's definitely some tremendous players in the Mountain West, and I've enjoyed, you know, the competition and going up against those guys. And no doubt, man, Nevada played some – you know, Nevada has <laughs> – we've seen some athletes come out of there, everybody from Colin Kaepernick, and now you're coming out and other players as well. You know, it's still a great school for football. The, the Mountain West Conference, though, is a different conference. So in terms of the style of football – what about it itself, in itself, playing that conference helped prepare you for playing defense 
against NFL teams. Like, I'm trying to really dig in on the on the actual X and O's of collegiate move from Nevada to now you're going to the NFL. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to come into a really good defensive situation. Uh, we had a, a few guys that had eyes on playing, playing at the next level. It was, I had the opportunity to come in and, you know, learn from from guys. Like, just seeing how they went about their business, how they approached the game, and, and how they uh, attacked each and every day. And that definitely helped, you know, develop my mindset as a younger player and uh, me taking what I learned from them and, you know, building on that and taking on this on myself to continue to get better every day. Well, let's back up a little bit. You know about you on the field. You've been, you were, you were dominant on the field in Nevada. There's just no doubt about it. And everybody's starting to know your name. If they know the draft, now they're known the name Malik Reed. But what about your life before college? What drew you to this game that you seem to, I mean, you actually not seem, it's pretty clear you love this game. So what right. drew you to What happened that got you on that football field and made things happen for you? It was actually different because when I was younger, I didn't like football at all. I just played it because, like, I had an older brother, two years older, that played. And um, I got back into it in, like, high school because my brother played and my friends were playing. So I got back into it. I was playing all three sports, basketball, baseball, and football. And uh, I would say, like, I noticed I can do, had some skills, like, out there on the football field. It was kind of hard to, like, focus on it because, like, I was playing all three sports. So I wasn't really taking it serious as I could have, but uh, going into my 11th grade year, I decided to stick to football and, you know, stop playing basketball and football and make sure I got in the weight room and continue to, you know, take it serious. And uh, I definitely, I, I can still see myself getting better and continue to improve. And I say that's when my love, like, started to blossom and grow for the sport. And just each year just kind of took off. So let's just pretend for a moment you're talking to somebody who is entering high school right now, ninth grader who had all the same concern, you know, had different interests like you did, and they're sitting in front of you and are asking you for advice on how to get where you're about to be. You're about to be in the NFL. What do you tell them? Man, I tell them, uh, I, I say you, you get out of it what you put into it. And that's just something that I've learned from my time here to – you know, talking to people that have, have had success, you know, whether it's on the field or whether it's in life, that you definitely have to work hard for everything you want. Like, it, nothing's going to come to you. Nothing's going to be given. And that's something that's, that you definitely learn through football, just to come ready, come ready to work every day. And uh, good things will come. And trusting in God is definitely, without him, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in and wouldn't have these opportunities. So, man, he deserves all the glory and honor. So you mentioned faith in God. Uh, what has your faith in God meant to you for your life, and how has it helped position you for success in the NFL? It has meant everything. Uh, I was always in church throughout the beginning of my life, but uh, my my faith has definitely grown since you know I've been in college, and I was fortunate enough to have like a great FCA leader who's helped me learn like about like certain scriptures and. Like, stay, study the Bible and uh, learn more about God since I've been here. And I definitely feel like my connection with God has grown. And I just see all the things that he's done for me and, like, how he's, you know, allowed me to, to get better and to become the best that I can be on and off the field. So it's, it's been a blessing. In terms of getting back to football, what opponent has brought the most out of you on the football field? <clears throat> so any oh, guy you play, like, what individual opponent? I would say, uh, you know, Austin Corbett, my teammate, last year, he got drafted to the Browns. Mm-hmm. So he was in the draft last year. But, um, you know, just having an opportunity to go up against a guy like that, 
you know, every day somebody that's he he wasn't like highly recruited coming out of out of high school. He walked on here in Nevada and you know developed and worked his way until you know where he is now. And being able to go against a guy like that and you know make each other better, definitely a tremendous opportunity. It's something that I could definitely cherish and would never take for granted. And uh like it's somebody I still can uh stick stay in contact with today. Like if I have questions about anything or like how the process goes, I definitely you know, reach out to him. He's not just like a great teammate, he's just like a great person and a great friend. And he was interested in watching his first year too. Now in terms of opposing teams, like a guy you went against on in game on the field who challenged you, who made you really have to think about how to get past him or how to catch him. Mm-hmm. Who was that guy for you? The San Diego State uh running back Rashad Penny last mm-hmm. year. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. He was a real deal. Uh you know, he had everything that you wanted. He, uh, he was fast, elusive. You know, he was strong, too. So he definitely had to – you had to come with it. <laughs> you know, you stood on the field. So, yeah, I enjoyed uh, playing against him. So if you went up in the NFC West, you're going to get him twice a year. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so – and that brings me to we, – we know you met with the Rams earlier this week. And what was the experience out there meeting with the Rams and, and getting to talk to their defensive staff? Oh, it was a tremendous opportunity getting to meet, you know, a legendary coach like Coach Wade Phillips and getting able to sit down with, you know, the inside linebackers coach, Coach Shula, and the outside linebackers coach, Coach Barry. We actually, like, went to my film, and they wanted me to, like, talk through it and, and stuff like that, and they gave me advice on, like, where they see me playing at, where they feel like I, I did best, and definitely a tremendous opportunity. And, you know, after sitting down with them, did you have an idea of really – I mean, I know you can't give away too much information, but did you did you leave with an idea of whether or not they really want you on a football team, they're going to try and get you, or what was your feeling of leaving the place? I know they I know they value pass rushes, so, you know, that's always a good sign. <laughs> and they need them. I mean, let's be honest. You know, they, that's how we're, the, the team struggled off the edge last year, and, you know, they brought in, you know, Clay Matthews, but he's only going to be there for a couple of years, and – it's going to be really interesting to see where the Rams go. And the Rams always seem to find guys at different parts of the draft. So you never know where they're going to go get their guy. As other teams as well, what, what other teams have you messed with? I'm not messed with, jeez, met with. <laughs> uh, the Rams are the team I've met with so far. Well, that's a good time. <laughs> in terms of if you're a Rams fan, you want Malik Reed in your team. That's actually a good sign. Hey, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel you. You know, in, you're getting close to the draft, and, and you've met with the Rams, and I'm sure other teams are going to reach out to you. Your, your name is a, is a name that's buzzing a little bit. And I mean, how are you as mentally and physically handling this last month now leading up to the draft? Yeah, I'm just uh, taking it, you know, one step at a time, keeping everything, you know, lined up and in focus. Just, you know, staying focused on what I can stay focused on and controlling what I can control. And that's uh, the work that I'm putting in, you know, right now as far as, like, working out and, get my body right to, you know, go play football and the rest, you know, that's in God's hands. So I just trust and believe that, you know, he has a plan for my life. So I'll just continue to follow that. In all your interviews, I'm sure you've gotten this question over and over again. But for the sake of listeners who haven't heard it and and haven't read our draft report yet because it's not out, what would you say are your greatest strengths as a football player? I would say my my passion's ability, the ability to, you know, get after the quarterback and fake. That aspect of the game, uh, my effort and energy out there, and then uh, my football like you, I feel like I have good instincts out there on the field. And your weaknesses? 
that you need to work on? Uh, I just feel like coverage and, you know, just the nuances of the game of football. I had a year under my – last year was my first year playing linebacker full-time. So I definitely feel like I got better and learned a lot during the year. So just continuing to develop and, and grow in that aspect of the game. All right. So the last part of this interview, okay, man, I'm going to throw five just weird questions at just to help people get to know you a little bit and just answer. Just quick buzz go. All right. You ready? Mm, yeah. All right. All right. Here you go. Favorite food? Italian. Just just Italian. No, it's not. Yeah. Just, just say anything Italian. Okay. All right. <laughs> the best TV show you've ever watched? Like a series or? Uh, a series. Or, you know, miniseries or whatever. I say Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. That's the popular one. All right. Okay, here you go. Best film you've ever watched? Longest Yard. Longest Yard. It had to be a football movie, right? All right, how's this? Best non-football movie? It's a non-football movie. Rush Hour 2. Rush Hour 2. Okay, last question. You have a choice of one coach to play for in all the history of the NFL. Okay. Who would it be and why? You said the uh, history of the NFL? In the history of the NFL. It could be any coach. Who would it be and why? Uh, that's a good question. I had to make you think, man. <laughs> head coach? You talking about head coach? Or? Head coach. Head coach. I say um the Seahawks coach uh, right now. What's his name? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, yeah. yeah. I know he's a defensive guy. He definitely value that defense he uh, built up with. Something to be reckoned with, so yeah, I say him. All right, all right, Malik. I want to thank you so much for your time. You know, it's. You're, I'm sure people are starting to really yank at you for all, you know, for all your minutes and and uh, you know, it takes you know, it takes a lot of time to go out there and, and just talk to people. And you're probably getting a lot of the same questions. And you're probably thinking, oh gosh, I hope he doesn't answer ask me this one. So you know, I've gotten this one forty five thousand times, and you know, I'm quite, really quite tired of answering it. So thank you, you know, for coming on our show and introducing yourself to our listeners and. You know, you never know. You might be uh, a guy we're in touch with again once, you know, once the draft's over, because you might be a Ram. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be a blessing. Well, no matter what, welcome to the NFL, and we look forward to covering you as a football player for years to come. Thank you. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you so much. You take care now. All right. You too. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Good stuff there with Malik. He seems like he's ready to go. What were you able to find out about him as you were doing your whole draft profile on him? Uh, so, man, one of the biggest things that I found out about him was the guy had some crazy bend. He had a three-cone time of, I think it was 3.89 seconds, which is one of the best in, in all of the draft prospects that I've seen. So I think that's, that's something really cool about him. Uh, guy played stand-up rusher, played with his hand in the dirt, Played some off-ball linebacker as well. Uh, I've seen him in coverage, seen him rush the passer. So uh, I'm excited about him. Where do you think he lands in the draft? Uh, I think he's a mid-round guy. I'd probably say round four, round five, somewhere around there. Um, if you get a team that's really invested in him, maybe round three, but that's about as high as I'd go. Uh, it's really interesting to see. He seems like he's a guy who may surprise some people down the line, develop into something. It depends on where he goes. You know, a guy who can really work on the edge and develop him. He may wind up being one of those steals in the draft. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Malik Reed. Nice guy. Really nice to talk to. It was good to hear him talking about the things that are more personal as well, like his faith and so on and so forth.
Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, we do want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You can also find our podcast list with Clutch Points. They've been a good partner for us. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at clutchpoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. Don't forget our other shows on the network. That includes Rams Uncensored, which, by the way, folks, we've gotten some feedback on this. They are uncensored. They're going to talk about anything and everything, especially if they're short on Rams content. So, listen, I'm just giving you a heads up. They're like our rated R podcast, okay? So, if you like that kind of thing, go to them. Butting heads with Steve and Johnny, Magic Johnny. They just had Trevor Sikama on their show, good draft network guy. And, of course, sooner or later, Norm Hightower will have his film study show. And, of course, there's us as well. So, we're bringing all the goods to you. We're bringing the Rated R podcast. We're bringing, you know, the, the, the deep analysis. Of course, us, the flagship podcast here at Rams Talk Radio. And, you know, we are still here. Tour Run the League is coming soon. The draft is coming up. we got lots of good things planned for you, so stick with us. Okay, so lots of things to discuss, and it's a lot of minor things. There hasn't been anything really happening in free agency the last couple of days. Things are settling down, but... Some NFL news breaking here in the last couple of days. The new rules for passing or finish are out. And, um, well, I guess <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say about it. So the rule change is this. You can now challenge pass interference calls. And I can tell you that I am I get it. I don't think it will change the length of games or anything because you just use one of your challenges. But I think it opens up a Pandora's box for other calls. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first things first, let's let's give a nice pat on the back to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, let's give them their their bottle as well at the same time. Bunch of crybabies, in my opinion. Uh, I think that it does open up a can of worms. I think that you know this is uh, what's the word for it. Um, you said Pandora's box, I think, but it's like a chain reaction. So, you know, where does this stop exactly? You know, now now we're talking about, you know, challenging every single call or non-call on the field down the road, and it's just going to derail the game. Well, that's to me the concern is, is at some point here, are we going to have to challenge every single thing? Because now you can I, argue, well, if I can challenge a pass interference call, why can't I challenge a holding call? Why can't yeah, Aaron, I Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald sees him every single play. Every single season, okay, every single play. And I know it won't change the length of games, but at some point here, you're basically going to say, hey, officials, we don't trust you at all, which we don't. But, I mean, <laughs> instead of doing this, instead of trying to put everything in a penalty's hands in terms of review and so on and so forth, I don't think the NFL is really addressing the major problem here. And that is the downward spiral of the quality efficient the quality of officiating we've seen across the league. The more rules in plate that you put in place dealing with officiating, the more things they have to look out for, the more mistakes they're gonna make. They need to simplify this for officials, not make it worse. Absolutely. And the one thing they did do, I mean the one thing the coaches voted thirty two nothing on having that extra guy in the booth to help make these calls. And the NFL doesn't put that in play. So Get the, Josh, help me figure this out. We, you and I, the average viewer, the average person watching a game, we can go over there and we get the advantage of all these different views at any different time. Okay? 
and yet the NFL's officials aren't getting all that now. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it's ridiculous, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I mean, I think if all 32 teams vote in favor of something, clearly there's something there that those coaches, those organizations think will benefit the game. To just deny that is is completely silly and ludicrous to me. So, I mean, listen, is it about money? Because the, the NFL is making billions of money, billions of dollars. I just don't... <laughs> Why? Why? Just put the guy in the booth. Let him be devoted to these calls and help straighten these things out. You don't need to do all these extra rules. The more rule, again, the more rules you put in place, the more you are actually setting up these officials for failure, in my view. The more they have well, to watch out for. Well, and then you're going to get a whole lot less criticism of these refs because there's somebody above them that has everything, you know, can see everything. And, and can kind of be in their ear and tell them what's what and how the call should go. And then you don't have these fan bases crying at the end of games thinking they got cheated out of a game when it's just, it's football. It's bang-bang plays. It happens. I mean, it is bang-bang plays. And, and sometimes the human element of the game is important. Now, listen, I, I get the Saints complaint. I mean, it was a pass interference call. We all know it. We all know it. And the instant response, though, we get is from them when we, when we point out, well, Listen, hey, you guys got away with a lot in that game. You got away with a, a face mask. The file, some guy wrote on Twitter, well, you're just grazing the face mask. No, no, it wasn't a graze. He grabbed it. His head turned. Okay. And then this case is, well, this call changed the course, of the, changed the outcome of the game. No, it didn't because guess what? The Saints got the ball one more time. Yeah. It didn't change the outcome of the game. You still had your chance to win. Stop with the exactly. whining here. Let it go. You guys yep. lost the game. You had every advantage in this game. You had the home field advantage. You had an early lead. You had the Rams that could not communicate the line of scrimmage. You were so loud. You, that's credit to your fans. Get over it. It's been two months now. Well, and, and you see that the, the news just came out, too, that they, they should have called pass interference on that Brandon Cooks play at the one-yard line in the Super Bowl versus the Patriots. And you don't hear our fan base crying. It happens. It happens. We aren't that kind of fan base one. I mean, we're just we're just not. We've never been that kind of fan base. We're used to losing <laughs> as much as we are. We're not going to, you know, this isn't, we're just happy to be there to a degree. But in the same, in the same token, we're also used to getting the short end of the stick. The reality is this. The way the Patriots played that game, they were beating us. There's no room for us to whine and complain about it. They were beating us that day. Yeah. That, you know, I would love to see a rematch of that game. I still believe that this team is talented enough. I wish, I, I'm sure that Coach McVay wishes he can go back and do a bunch of things differently. I think that if they were to play again on a neutral field, we would probably see a much different game. And Absolutely. That's not what it, it, yeah, it just wasn't our day that day. It wasn't our day. And it happens. And you know what? Guess what? It wasn't from the middle of, well, gee, the early part of the second quarter on. It wasn't the Saints game that day. No. Not at all. They blew a 13 to nothing lead. Cry somewhere else about it. I empathize. When your team has a chance to go to the Super Bowl and you don't go, I mean, that's what you live for the entire year. You're so emotionally invested in it. So we have, you know, David Romero from the Saints BS and Beer podcast comes on our show a couple times now, and he's a really great guy. And even just communicating with him after the game, he was emotionally invested in it, and it really got to him. And I don't blame him for that. But two months later, we're still seeing fans in a fan base you know, coming on our you know, coming on our Facebook page and trolling us, going over to um, our Twitter talking about it. We're catching it everywhere. We had guys get into our Facebook group talking about it and trolling us the day of the game, the Super Bowl. Listen, man, you mean to tell me the Patriots wouldn't have shut you down the way they played that day? 
Are you well, serious? And, and it's not just their fans either. It's some of their star players like Michael Thomas. I mean, the guy has not let up. It's a constant. There's always a new post on Twitter from the guy. You know, some other crying boohooing about it. And and here's the thing, you know, they, they want to talk about bad calls and changing the course of the game. Let's go back to when the Saints beat us during the regular season and we have that missed Johnny Hecker ball placement. I honestly truly believe that if we get that spot, we continue to take over the momentum of that game. We win that game and we have home field advantage against the Saints. But, you know, I would go to the Saints-Steelers game, the pass interference against the Steelers. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, I mean, that one's a much more clear one. What's weird here, I just saw the stat before the podcast with the Saints, and the Saints led the league in pass interference calls. So it's a bit of a double standard here when they're worried about pass interference the Rams. They led the league in these things, okay? So I, I just look at this and go, be careful what you wish for, because this can go back and bite you. And I think the NFL is being too reactionary. And I know, I mean, they're trying to preserve the, the integrity of the game. I get it. But you're being too reactionary. Test these rules out. You know, test them out in the preseason. I'm serious. Do what Major League Baseball is doing with some of the rule changes. They test them out in, in training camp here this year, in spring training. Test these things out in preseason. See how they work. Study them. And then if you feel the need to implement implement them next year. Why do you need to be reactionary? Do your Exactly. Defense. I just don't see the point in it right now. That doesn't make a lot of sense long term. It could hurt the game. Now, on the flip side, Josh, they could easily say, okay, it didn't work. And throw that rule out, but then you're now you're going to be embarrassed because you put a rule in place that didn't work, and you got to get it out of there. Right, right. Just silliness, silliness. Okay. Yeah. All right. So before we move on, we have more things to talk about here. You know, just talking some football, getting close to the draft. Most of us are practically addicted to anything in Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks' Hollywood Teen Grit Glam in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some stories of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Craigslist Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story span the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. It's available both in hardback and electronic format at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, and the paperback is coming out September 6th. All you paper lo- paperback lovers, don't want to put it on your, on your Kindle? Fine, September 6th. Proceeds go to Homeboy Industries which is focused on getting people out of the gang life and making them productive parts of society. It's a great charity. It's a great cause by a really awesome guy in Jim Hawk who's been great to us here at Rams Talk. We're proud that he sponsors us. Check it out. Hollywood scene, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, so moving on. The new rules for pass interference gone. Talking about the 26-23 loss. Gone, pass interference in the Super Bowl. We've addressed that. So, other news this week. Hmm. We've been going overseas to play some games for seemingly an eternity. Okay. And presumably, come 2020, when the Rams finally open that state-of-the-art, just masterpiece of a stadium in Inglewood. The Mecca. The Mecca, okay, of West Coast football, maybe. Maybe, okay. Now we're hearing news kind of leaking, kind of reports that the 49ers are going to host a home game in China and that their opponent could be the Rams in 2020. Josh, what are your uh, thoughts there? 
I hate it. I hate it. China? Why? Why? Just why? We're not gonna. We're not gonna have a team in China. That's not gonna happen. Like I get trying to to build the brand around the globe or whatever, but think about the toll that takes on players. You know, the NFL always tries to play it off like they're all about player safety, but we're gonna we're gonna interrupt players' lives and schedules and routines to get them over to a game in China. Come on now. The only way I think you could justify this really is by allowing the Rams to go in the training camp a week early, having, while everybody else is doing preseason week four, the Rams and, and uh, 49ers are in China to, for their first preseason game, and then you give them an extra bye. That's the only way you could justify it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, and even still, like, I still don't know that I would like that. You know, no, like, okay, 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 it makes it a little bit more tolerable, but I still hate the idea. I'm absolutely opposed to it. I think it's absolutely... What would the NFL... Well, never mind. Hold on. Let me back up. The NFL gets a lot out of this. You know, rivalry game in China between now one of the more popular teams and the 49ers are, are on the rise. We can all admit that. That's a great matchup for them. Horrible thing for the Rams, especially for a franchise that's been doing this now for years. Going to London, going back to London, going back to London. It was supposed to be Mexico City. If they could have gotten their act together down there in Mexico City. I just look at this and go, stop messing with my football team. Stop putting them yeah. in situations. No other team is, ha- is being asked to do this. All because what? Because of them moving to L.A. Now, I understand Kroenke's the one who's really agreeing to this stuff. And he's trying to improve the Rams' footprint across the globe. I, I just, at some point, you got to draw your limit. you got to stop. Yeah, my limit's definitely China. <laughs> my, my limit is China. Yeah, I, you know... I'm not trying, you know, I get the NFL. The NFL is doing what they can to make their brand global. It's already global. Okay, you don't, you're never going to have an NFL team in China. Right. Never. You are never going to have an NFL team anywhere in Asia. It's just not going to happen. We, w- we keep talking about NFL teams in Europe, and I think that may happen one day. But it's I, never- I, I, even, I even hope that doesn't happen. Well, I do. I, I hope it doesn't happen. If it does, to me, you have to, what you have to do with that is you need to put a full division over there. So you're going to expand by four teams, okay? And you're going to yeah. have to change. You're going to put a London in. You're going to put a Paris in. You're going to put a Rome in and probably a Berlin or something in, okay? And that's how it's going to work. So they'll play their divisional games there. And then when they'll have to come have a, a training camp base in the U.S. and play multiple road games back-to-back, and then have a home game stretch, three or four games at home in order to make it work. Otherwise, you're not going to want to be keep going back and forth, back and forth overseas like that. So they would did, have to do, did, do a special schedule just for European teams. Didn't NFL Europe already exist once? It did. And you know what? <laughs> you know what? It's funny, but they, they did have some reasonable success. I think they would have had more success if it was actual NFL football there. It, was, it just wasn't done right, quite frankly. I think a team in London would work. I think a team in a place like Berlin would work. Or, or would Paris. it though? Would it though? Because like, think about think about the draft. Think about a player getting drafted and being told like, "Yeah, you're you're going to Berlin." I think most players would hate the idea at first, but unless you built a schedule that would be positive for the player, that's what I'm talking about. So you know more, you know, home game, away game, home game, away game, home game. You're going to pack it, package like four row games 
or five road games in a row. You're going to have a camp set up in the United States, and you're going to knock those road games out. And then you go back, and you have a homestand. So you would get a chance to be in the country for a long period of time. It would still suck, but you could still knock out a bunch of road games at one time, then be home wherever you are, if it's Paris or London or wherever at one time. Is it a great idea? No. Is it better than the alternative, which is back and forth, back and forth? Yes. That's the only way I can see it ever working. And I'm, I'm, being, I'm thinking way out of the box here on this. And I honestly think it's going to happen. They've been doing games in London for a while now. It's going to happen. The question is when. You know, though, uh, like, I can, I can, I can kind of see London because, you know, like, at least we all speak the same language and have similar cultures and things like that. Like, but if you talk about sending somebody to Germany and like the player doesn't know German and he doesn't, you know, he's not used to that atmosphere. Like you're not just talking about their football life. You're talking about at least during the season for large chunks of time, their, their entire life. Well, that's, that's why you put a team in like Berlin, Frankfurt, or Munich, where you have a lot of English-speaking people there, including a lot of military. Lot See, of that's why I like that. That's why I like that you know your history stuff. Okay, and well, also you think Rome down there in Rome, Naples, the base is down there nearby. So do you draw some American fans from there? There's a lot of English speak a lot a lot of English-speaking people in Rome. So the potential is there. Also, don't forget Glasgow, Scotland. You know, you're going to have English-speaking English-speaking people there, and you know, but. You can't deny us. We have a lot of fans that, that cover us from, say, Brazil and Spain. They listen to our podcasts. So even you know, non-English-speaking people would be interested. It's just a question of just the communication factor. This is not about discriminating against any other language. So it's just to be yeah, able to no, 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 in English. Yeah, yeah, and that's not what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm not getting at you know, like having anything against that fan base or that region or anything like that. It's more just about how the player has to then acclimate. And that's something that a player who gets drafted by a team in the United States, you know, they don't have to face that. And, and, you know, I, I can see you, you know, mentioning things that, you know, kind of make it work, so to speak. Um, You know, so that's a conversation to be had, but there'd be a lot of details to work out. And I don't think that's in in play for a really long time. You know, backing it up though, again, the Rams in China, listen, if you want to do a preseason game in China, do it. They, they would have a blast. Go do it in China, okay? Put a whole camp there. Seriously. What I would, you know, seriously, send four teams over there. Five, send five teams over there, okay? Five teams. Have a whole training camp done in China with all five teams. Let them be there with their family, with families even, okay? Just ship them all over there. Let them rotate. There are four preseason games over there, and they can make a whole tour, kind of like what... Premier League teams and um, Serie A teams will do in the United States during the summer before soccer season starts. Yeah, yeah. Tour. Do the same thing in China. If that's what you want to do. And that way you can really get entrenched in China and you have make a whole big spectacle of it. But regular season games, don't. Are you freaking serious? They talked yeah. about this a couple of years ago too, have put a Rams home game over there. No. Yeah, no. 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 And, and you know what? I, I like your preseason idea of, of the rotating five teams or whatever. I think that's a great idea. I think that builds the brand. It gets, you know, fans over in, you know, that region or whatever other region they decide next year or the year after that. It gets them involved and, and lets them go to an actual NFL game and see it without having to travel to the States to do it. I think that's a great idea. Preseason, fine. When the games don't really matter, fine. But leave my regular season alone, leave my Rams alone, and do not schedule 
a Rams home game in China. When I talked to Frank Stams, uh, you know, about a little over a year ago, former Rams linebacker, he talked about how when he was drafted by the Rams, he was holding out, and the Rams kept telling him, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna pull your money back, you know, we're, we're gonna this money to somebody else if you don't sign." And then he realized that he was going to miss the game in Japan against the 49ers in the preseason. And immediately he's like, I'm going to go. He wanted to go. He want-. And so the, so the guys used to enjoy those things, like going to Japan for right. a season game. Now, taking it to a regular season game, that's a whole different story. Now yeah. it counts. And now you've got to go back and you got to recover in time. Asking these players to do that, it's just, gonna be, it's just not going to work. How are you going to ex- expect the Rams, for example, to pick up after a home game in L.A. in week two or three? Okay, and go out to China for week four. For a rivalry game. game. For a rivalry game, and, and both teams play well, okay? And now they can, you can say, well, we'll have your buy after that. Fine, you get two weeks off. You're still putting these players at risk from fatigue, from having to make that flight, jet lag over, and then practicing and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's, there's a better way. There's a better way. Yep. Agreed. All right. So other news today. Uh, oh, yeah. Les Snead. Les Snead here at the owner's meeting today per Lindsay Theory. She mentions this. And Dominican Sue returns to the Rams. Pretty much guaranteed to be off the table. Is only about $4.8 million left in cap space for the Rams. I would say, no offense to Lindsay, that was kind of a no-brainer. He's not coming back. Yeah. Agree? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I always... I think most people, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, always saw Sue as a one-year rental. You know, he was a hired mercenary kind of thing. I mean, I didn't see him as a one-year rental. I thought they could keep him longer. It just really depended on how he performed. He didn't really perform to the $14 million they were paying him. And, and so he would have had to have taken me a massive pay cut to come back next year. And right now his market apparently is higher than that. I mean, even if even if he took it down to well, Michael and I talked about possibly like a nine point five and two year deal, okay, that would have been a pay cut. But at his age, it's been worth it. Bottom line is this: if he wants to win, he's got to take a pay cut at his age. Yeah, no one's going to pay him big pay him big money for a contender. You know, for a non contender, they might pony up the money, but at his age, they're not going to pony up the money for that. Yeah, yeah, not at all. I would I would have liked to have him back. Honestly, he did really well in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, I would have loved to have him back. I would have loved to have him back. The, the money's just not there, you know, no. for what he's looking for. It's not there. And the weird thing though is the Rams do have a good amount of money available next offseason, depending on how much they pour into the golf extension. And now, by the way, it looks like they're going to look at extending Marcus Peters as well. So there's two big contracts coming up that will probably shake up the salary cap for next year. Right now they have a bunch of money available in the offseason. That's going to change real quick. So, well, I don't think there's any money. They're going to have to really do what they've been doing the last two drafts. The last two drafts, the Rams have done a great job of finding value in the third, fourth, fifth round and developing possible starters. They're going to have to do it this year, and they're going to have to do it next year because that core they have is getting more and more expensive. And then Jared Goss about to take all that. Hey, at least this year we have a first-round pick, though. Am I right? For now. For now. For now. <laughs> well, what do you think of the odds they, t- they trade that back? Oh, I, I definitely think they trade back, and, I, and I'm perfectly fine with a trade back unless there's a guy there that somehow falls that you see as just superior value. 
uh, trade back, get picks, continue to to build depth on that roster with cheap contracts. And I think there may be a couple of those there. I mean, there's been people mentioned, you know, Dexter Lawrence kind of guy who may fall back. I don't, I don't really buy that. But if there is that guy there, you know, you go ahead and you go get him. If not, yeah, trade back. We'll get some picks back. There's, this is a deep defensive draft, and the Rams had defensive needs. If there's an offensive line guy there, though, like a Dalton Risner, you go get him if he's still there, which I don't think he will be. Yeah, I don't think he will be either. I think some team will pick him. He's, he's too talented and has too much versatility. And he's obviously just by having an interview with him and just talking with him, he's a, he's a good team guy as well. So I just don't see that he'll be there. But if he is, a guy like that, go get him. And and I and I get the Rams having confidence in Noteboom and Allen taking over on that offensive line, but sometimes you know you have that that in place, but then some guy that has superior talent to who you already have, you know, they fall in your lap, and it's like you take that. That's a significant upgrade. Go with it. And we don't know how the Rams view Noteboom right now. They are they're obviously confident in him. In the short time he got in the field last year, he played very well. So. Right. I mean, for all we know, they could move Noteboom back outside the left tackle and be confident in him and then plug somebody in at left guard. I mean, I I just kind of view it as, it looks to me, judging by how the Rams have behaved, they believe in Noteboom. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. They they have a really good offensive line coach in in Aaron Cromer. And if if he feels like Noteboom's the guy, I'm going to trust him. Fortunately, we don't have to know right away because Witt's back, but... I guess. We'll yeah. All right. So, folks, how's that for a show? I think we had a lot of good football conversation. We're going to let you go. Before we do, we hey, we're looking for sponsors. Reach out to us at Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Also, very soon, we're going to be launching a Patreon, which will allow you as individuals. If you like our show and want to support us, you can do it individually. There will be some, some goodies coming back to you. And no, folks. We are not going to push you on that. We're going to mention it once a podcast, just like right now, and that'll be it. Okay? Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Or go to the Rams Talk room and join up there. And we talk football in there all the time. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Josh. Where, Josh? RN underscore Kylo. And, of course, you know Kylo is a Star Wars reference because he's a big nerd. Okay? Also, don't forget... <laughs> I had to catch him off guard a little bit. <laughs> Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Our Heart Radio, Android, everywhere, folks. And, of course, I does play our show on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 9, sorry, sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific time. For Josh, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. We'll see you Sunday. See you, man. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.